The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where we hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Hey, this is Scott Gibson from Terror Manor. We're listening to the Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Craig Hines from DarkImaginings.com, and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. The top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Big Bob Elmore. I believe Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And this is a shout out to the Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Jason Carl from Atmosphere Scare Entertainment in Europe. And you're listening to the Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Bud Strauss from the Dent School House, and you are listening to The Big Scary Show. You're listening to The Big Scary Show with three big scary men and one that wears more makeup than I do. September is finally here, listeners, and with September comes haunt season. A lot of haunted attractions are starting to open up across the nation. And here at The Big Scary Show, we are uber excited to see what's going on this Halloween season. Badger brings us a slew of interviews from CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee, including the likes of Blake Best, Jennifer Johnsy, the owner of CreepyCon, J. Michael Roddy, Pumpkin Clown, Screamville, Frightworks, Terror Manor, Twisted Garden Studios, and more. Storm rants on as only he can, in a haunt minute. Myself, Meat Hook Jim, I am taking you to the Caribbean island of Barbados for Between the Corpses. Jerry Vane spins us the spooky tunes. And the round table of terror is just a jumble of information regarding Halloween season as myself, Drew Badger, Storm, and the Old Crone talk about all things Halloween. All this and so much more on the latest episode of The Big Scary Show. The Legendary Haunt Tour is proud to announce its 2021 destinations. 
We are excited to be heading south again this year on an amazing trek that will include four top-notch haunted attractions in and around New Orleans. The Mortuary, 13th Gate, New Orleans Nightmare, and Rise. All of these incredible events have been raising the bar for years in innovation and quality. This will be a tour not to be missed. Stay tuned for more details to come, but mark your calendars now and plan to head south for the Legendary Haunt Tour, November 12th and 13th, 2021. For more information, you can check it out on legendaryhaunttour.com. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the September Gruesome Giveaway sponsored by ScreamlineStudios.com. Our friends at Screamline Studios have given us some fantastic prizes for this month and every other month, and we're going to try to give some away for September. You know how this works. I'm going to ask you a question. The answer is in the show. Email us that answer along with your name and phone number to contest at BigScaryShow.com before midnight on September 21st, and we will select a random entrant, and you could be a winner of a great prize. Now, the question for the month of September for the gruesome giveaway is... J. Michael Roddy has two volumes of his book, A Haunter's Tale, and is considering putting out a third volume. That third volume has a very specific theme. What is the theme for A Haunter's Tale, Volume 3? If you think you know that answer, email it to us, contest at BigScaryShow.com, along with your name and number before midnight on September 21st. You may be randomly selected to be the winner. And once again, thank you to Screamline Studios for supplying us with some great prizes. Previous winners and family members of the Big Scary Show are not eligible to win, but good luck. Here we go. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We are live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. And of all the people you don't expect to run into in Knoxville, I'm running into J. Michael Roddy. He has been on our show once or twice before. He's from Orlando. He is the author of A Haunter's Tale, Volumes 1 and 2. It looks like he's making a Volume 3. Sounds very interesting, you know, for those folks who love to read. They make great gifts. I have Volume 1. I love it, love it, love it. Let's talk to J. Michael Roddy. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm great. This is a fun convention. I've, I've never been to CreepyCon. This is my very first one, and it's, a, it's, it's awesome because, you know, we're coming out of the COVID um, experience, as it were. You know, it's Somewhat. Nice. We're not 100% out of the woods yet. Well, we're working on it. Who knows it. if we'll ever be 100%. But it's just neat to see everybody. And, you know, and a lot of masks and a lot of makeup, a lot of people that are really, really enjoying, enjoying what we love so much. So it's just a lot of great fun. Yeah, it's fun that, uh, you know, the first show I went to was in Chattanooga this year in late April, McTrothamcon, then Transworld, and of, you know, this is just, like you say, this is a fun show. It's it's in its fourth year, and uh, obviously did not happen last year, but I've always been impressed with this one. The uh, The location is really cool. The people here are great. There's a lot of people here, and it, I guess it just proves that uh, people are itching to get out and get scared. I agree, and, and you know what's really great, too, is it's nice to see that even even here in Knoxville, there's a huge, <laughs> huge horror contingent. I love that, that people are really into horror, sci-fi, and just fantastical things. You know, it just it does your heart good. Um, you know, 
Monster Kids Unite. There so. you go. And, you know, people don't necessarily think Tennessee as being the heartland of haunted attractions. You always think Texas or Illinois or Ohio or stuff, but there is some quality haunts in East Tennessee, Central, you know, Memphis. The whole state is just rife with some good haunts, and there's a lot of good actors, a lot of good set designers, a lot of good makeup artists, a lot of them around here. That's Yeah, that's absolutely what I love, too, is that, you know, uh, I think I might come back up in the in the fall months just for just for a trip and, and see some, because I've never seen any of the haunts here. Well, you know, uh, give me a call. I'm only three hours away down in Charlotte, and of course, the leaves changing in October. Oh, be Stellar, beautiful. You're, you know, you're you're near Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and Dollywood and the Blue Ridge Parkways, an hour and a half or so. But uh, let's talk about your books. You know, I met you down in HauntCon in New Orleans a couple of years ago when you had just released a Haunter's Tale Volume One. Yeah. I love the copy. It's a collection of short stories, photographs. Other things written by many, many people in the haunt industry, from Leonard Pickle to Joe Moa to many, many others. It came out with a volume two, which I promise you I will order before this weekend is over. (laughs) But uh, what was the genesis? How did you think, you know, this is just something that I think needs to be done in the industry, and and let's see how creative we can get some people to contribute material. Um, well, first off, thank you. That's really, really kind. It it really was that you know I've been I've been very successful with with some of my involvement in the horror community, and I've been very proud of that. I grew up loving horror. I will always love horror, and I love haunts. Uh, and I've met some of the most creative people in the world that have done haunts or been responsible for it. And what I wanted to do is give those people that I had met through my years as um, a haunt designer an opportunity to be published. And, you know, the creativity that goes into a haunt, the storylines that go into a haunt, a lot of people sometimes don't, don't get that. They, they sometimes think, okay, you build a, you build, you build a scenic uh, piece or design a, um, design a room or what have you and then put a character in it, and, and that's the extent of it. But there's the, there are really involved storylines. And these guys and gals are really great writers, so I thought, here's an opportunity I got with a group of people that I knew very well that I'd worked with. And I said, do something creative. It can be anything. You can write about your experience in haunts, or you can draw something, or you can talk about a true life ghost story, what inspired you, anything. The sky's the limit. And a lot of people took their, this opportunity, like Ray Keim, who is primarily a graphic artist, took the opportunity to write a short story, which is really creepy and really good. Um, so, you know, and, and then uh, I got to give a shout out to Nick and Beverly Pappas because they were big fans of the first volume. We, I met them at HauntCon and they were like, you got to do a volume two, you got to do a volume <laughs> two. And they brought so many great people to the table that I didn't have very much exposure to all up and down the East Coast. And, you know, volume two is twice the size of volume one. And at that point, I was kind of like, all right. I think I, I think I've uh, I think I've exhausted it for a while, and then a lot of people have asked me. They're like, "Is there going to be a volume three? And I can just say, like right now, I'm thinking about how to position it. I've got a theme that's called Tales from the Cryptid, that it might be, you know, let's have a whole theme, a whole themed volume that's about, you know, things like all the eerie real life things that are happening out there and the, the folklore and the mythology. And on top of that this year, you know, I took the opportunity to write and direct um, my first feature. Congratulations. Thank you. It's called Infernum Obscura, uh, which is basically the Hell's Camera. That's Latin. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And um, 
it features some fantastic actors, Adam Graham, Danielle Lang, um, but it also has some cameo appearances by Brink Stevens and oh, nice. Mr. Greg Nicotero oh, in, a, uh, in an acting role, which is a lot of fun. Um, so it's right now I'm getting it into festivals. Uh, it, play, it will be playing at Phantasm in Florida, in Orlando, the first weekend of October. And uh, that's another convention that's, I think it's in year two, that's really, really great. I mean, they have a lot of the folks from Halloween coming this year. So, um, you know, if you want to check it out, check it. Uh, it's Infernum Obscura, the movie. And uh, it's, uh, there's a Facebook page and a website, and I'd love, to, I'd love to share it with you guys. Now, you know, if you've ever listened to the show over the years, you know our, our very own co-host Storm is a huge cryptid fan. Always big with chupacabras and squatches and all that stuff. Can he submit something, yes. possibly, if, if you open this up? Or is this open to anybody? Do you have to be in the industry? Or, you you know, have can to you be submit? associated with the industry. Okay. And so, there has to be a connection to the industry. can't just be your grandmother who um, makes poems or anything. That would be weird. <laughs> uh, but, no, it, it, I would like, you know, to pass the red face test. I want to give everybody an opportunity. But, again, it's this community, this community of people that really support each other and really are so supportive it's just an opportunity. I don't make a dime off of it. I, I really, it, it's an opportunity to go, here's another volume of something that's, that's it, you're published. Congratulations. Absolutely. And uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. So there's a possibility that there is a Tales from the Cryptid coming out at some point. We don't know yet. If Storm or anybody listening out there does write dark poetry, takes photos, you know, writes short stories or has real life experiences with, you know, cryptids how can they submit those how can they get a hold of you for more information uh you can email me at jmichaelroddy at me.com j-m-i-c-h-a-e-l-r-o-d-d-y at me.com with the tagline haunter okay that's simple enough as i said i wrote a short story hoping to get into volume two didn't make the deadline i still have it waiting it's not cryptid related but maybe i can change the killer to a Sasquatch or a Chupacabra oh, or something. Sasquatch country. <laughs> that that I cannot deny. East Tennessee is supposedly rife with them. Once oh, again, there, there are actually people here that I've met with. Are they, there's a whole community. They're called Squatchers. Oh yeah. I never knew that, and it's I, I've loved Bigfoot since I saw In Search of and saw the first time the the Gimlin Patterson film. Right. Ever since then, I'm fascinated by it. If, you, uh, if you've not been, and you know, we're not, you know, we're at one show, but if you've never been to the Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky, which I believe is in late October this year, they usually have a large contingency of cryptid oh, wow. exhibitors and authors and TV show guys. They have a lot of paranormal as opposed, as well as regular horror celebrities and things, but they do have a pretty nice-sized cryptid community there, so might be something for you to check out at the Scarefest in Lexington. But right now, we're not at the Scarefest. We're at CreepyCon. I want to thank J. Michael Roddy for coming here and speaking to us here at the Big Scary Show. Once again, folks, A Haunter's Tale, Volume 3, and the name of the film is? Infernum Obscura. And it is right now basically making the convention circuit. That is correct. Any chance of getting it on streaming platforms or theatrical release? Yes. <laughs> Does it have a website where people can get more information or a social media Type page? in Infernum Obscura, I-N-F-E-R-N-U-M-O-B-S-C-U-R-A. Nice. J. Michael Roddy is the author of A Haunter's Tale and a now movie director. Congratulations once again. We're here at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we're out. 
Prelude to a Nightmare. Prelude to a Nightmare. On the Big Scary Show. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated 
to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunted attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Hi folks, it's Drew Badger. This is Deadline News for episode 245. And unfortunately, we're going to start off with some sad news from Freddy's Haunts Haunted Attraction in Alakipa, Pennsylvania. I hope I pronounced that right. We are posting this message with heavy hearts to inform everyone that we have lost one of our own. Rest in peace, Robbie McGill of New Brighton, who passed away on August 22nd at the age of 54. We will surely miss you, and we will keep you in our hearts forever. And we would like to dedicate this season to your memory. The Big Scary Show sends its deepest condolences to the family and friends of Robbie McGill and Freddy's Haunts, and offers up this moment of silence. On a lighter note, we have this news from Midnight Syndicate. Our Music of Halloween Horror Nights album is being re-released on September 14th at Halloween Horror Nights Universal Orlando. Additionally, Gavin and Ed will be appearing at the Universal Orlando Resort on October 6th for signings during the day and evening. This run of Music of Halloween Horror Nights is pressed on golden orange vinyl and is limited to 1,000 copies. It comes with a digital download that includes four bonus tracks that were not included on the original pressing's digital download. Music of Halloween Horror Nights is only available on vinyl. Get more information at MidnightSyndicate.com We have this sad news from the Barn of Terror in Lake Katrine, New York. Due to several recent unexplained events on the farm, including the mysterious disappearances of several individuals, including a police officer, Throughview Farm, a.k.a. the Barn of Terror, will not reopen this year. Since investigations are still ongoing, the farm will remain closed to the public until further notice. Anyone with any information on the whereabouts of the farm owner, Mr. Cobb, or the self-proclaimed Mayor Mischief of Cornville should contact local police. Hmm. Keep up with updates at thebarnofterror.com. We have this news from the Cinema of Horrors Driving Experience in Ridgefield, Washington. Get ready to scream, a live-action drive-in horror movie experience where monsters from the screen come to life. With over 11 different horror thrillers, guests are guaranteed to scream this Halloween. This unique drive-in experience lasts approximately two hours and features high-quality sound and lighting, in-car audio, Hollywood-quality makeup, monsters, and terrifying twists. Happening October 8th through the 10th, 14th through the 17th, 21st through 24th, 28th through the 31st. Gates open at 5 with a film at 7. You can get more information at facebook.com slash cinema of horrors. We have some gaming news regarding Dead by Dawn. This comes to us via bloodydisgusting.com. 
With the Lament configuration opened, Pinhead arrives in the Behavior Interactive's Dead by Daylight this month. The developer made the announcement with a press release confirming that Pinhead will arrive in September to torment souls. Hellraiser's Pinhead is one of the most stunning and memorable characters among all the iconic killers of the horror genre, says Dave Richard, creative director of Dead by Daylight. Not only is he highly charismatic, but he also embraces deeply disturbing horror themes, so our fans have been requesting him for a long time. Bringing Pinhead into the fog is a way for us to give fans something they want while cementing our reputation as the Hall of Fame of Horror. In fact, Pinhead is currently available on the Dead by Daylight test servers, which in response, fans have taken the opportunity to record some of Pinhead's exploits. While specifics as to what's in store for fans wasn't made available, the Hellraiser chapter of Dead by Daylight will be available for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Stadia, Steam, Windows Store, Xbox One, as well as the Xbox series. Dead by Daylight Mobile will also be getting in on the fun before the end of the year. We have this news from the Realm of Terror haunted attraction in Round Lake Beach, Illinois. Realm of Terror is now hiring for its return for the upcoming season. Be a part of the legendary crew that has been bringing screams to the Midwest for over 18 years. Not looking to scare people, but still want to get in on the fun? We're also hiring for all staff event positions. Realm of Terror will be hosting in-person hiring events September 11th and 18th. To get all the gory details for our biggest season of fear yet, fill out your application at realmofterror.com jobs. We have this from the Creepy Works Haunted Attraction in Conway, Arkansas. If you enjoy making folks wet themselves uncontrollably, then this may be for you. We are looking for a few scare actors at Creepyworks Haunted House in Conway for this October. Simply follow the link, creepyworks.com slash jobs.html, and fill it out. And finally, we have this news from the Canadian Haunters Association via Chris Ainsworth. Attention all CHA haunters, I have some good news and bad news to share with you. The bad news is we're losing our CH- CHA Saskatchewan chapter president, Dave Kosick. Dave has decided to step down because of his busy work schedule and wants to let some fresh blood in. He still plans on doing his annual home haunt, Restless Spirit Cemetery, but on a smaller scale. The good news is fellow Saskatchewan home haunter Bartley Buse, or Busay, sorry, from The Haunting on Gibbs has graciously accepted to come in as our new chapter president. Please join us in thanking Dave Kosick for all his years of support with the CHA and welcoming Bartley Busey as the newest chapter president to the CHA. Remember folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We are live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, TN, and we are talking to all the cool kids, the vendors and everything. One of the cool things I got to do this weekend was I got to be a judge at the Scream Queen competition. Kind of asked last second by owner, owner Jennifer there and had a grand time. The winner of the Scream Queen competition was Justine from 
Twisted Garden Studios, who happens to be a vendor here. Justine, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. A little hoarse after the competition. Aren't we all just after hearing all that? I mean, that, that hurt my throat to hear you, you just literally run out on stage, scream, and run away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the clown's I, popping up at the end of the stage. I honestly so. didn't even see them. Uh, I have terrible stage fright, so I went out, and I'm like, I am already anxious <laughs> enough. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the, the cool thing about it was they had the clowns that popped up to yeah. kind of encourage the screams, and that helped a lot. But if you ran in and didn't even see them, well, <laughs> that was just an amazing scream. Let's just say that. Thank you. But not only were you the winner, congratulations for yeah. winning that, you are also a vendor here with Twisted Garden Studios yes, based out of Iowa, but you've got an, a, a place in Huntsville, which I believe is where you're from. Yes, I live in Huntsville, Alabama. And what exactly is Twisted Garden Studios, and, and how cool are these little things that you have here? So I run the business with my mother, of all things, and that's that's been a great experience. Uh, we focus a lot on handmade, eco-friendly geek, because there is a lot of eco-friendliness in geek merch. There's a lot of plastic. There's a Those lot of plastic. Lots of plastic. So but much plastic. we like to focus on something a little bit more handmade and a little bit friendlier. So we do a lot of, um, all of our fabric patterns are very, uh, Reasonably, responsibly sourced. Yeah, we were very good uh, with uh, sourcing all of our packaging, all of our fabric, and we try to make sure that every single cut uses the least amount that we can, so we get as many things as we can out of this kind of fabric. Nice. And, and what are some of the things that you've got here? So right uh, at CreepyCon today, we have our uh, quotation mark indestructible tote bags. They are very heavy duty. We also have our fabulous handmade aprons, and we have a whole bunch of my uh, recycled jewelry on hand. So for, you know, the people who like the horror stuff and the twisted stuff and the slightly unusual, you know, who doesn't, you know, work in the kitchen and was to be like, you know what I need? I need a weird apron. So, you know, that just kind of perfectly works out. Yeah, we have uh, one of my personal favorites is uh, from the infamous BuzzFeed meme. Hey there, demons. It's me, ya boy. We do have aprons with that on it. And what are some of the other things that you guys have here? Because apparently you, you've also got like a little brick-and-mortar shop that you yeah. actually sell things. What other things do you have? That's so, not necessarily a creepy con. We, um, we do have a black label uh, jewelry line that I do, which is um, all real stones, ethically sourced stones on uh, gold and silver that we keep in the shop. We also um, have a lot of our retired collections that if... It's not necessarily in vogue, but we will have older games, you know, stuff like that on hand. A lot of just pretty stuff that, you know, you don't necessarily see at a convention. Maybe not Maybe not something for everyday wear, but definitely something for maybe a costume or if you worked at a haunt or something like costumes, that. Costumes, haunts. Um, I'm currently prototyping some very cool uh, chokers that um, hopefully will be out in time for Halloween. Excellent. So, for people who want more information, do you have an online store as well? Can people can browse your stuff? On, uh, they can hit us up on Facebook or our Instagram, which is uh, at Twisted Garden Studios. We also have an Etsy. If you search for Twisted Garden Studios LLC, you should be able to find us. So, once again, folks, for you know wanting that stuff, not necessarily for your haunt, although some of the jewelry would be excellent there if, if your character works for it. Oh, God, we don't need to see that anymore. 
But, um, you know, ethically sourced, you know, very important these days to have eco-friendly stuff, especially if you're one of those people that, you know, is just tired of all the plastic junk that's literally out there. Check out at Twisted Garden Studios. Yes, that at is Twisted right. Garden Studios. Justine, a pleasure to have you here Absolutely. on the Big thank Scary so Show. Much. And again, thank you and congratulations for being the Scream Queen winner. You know, with me and the other two judges, you ran out there, you did your scream, and you left, and we all were like, yep. And how, it how was, did that come it, out of that person? It was very much uh, not really a, a contest after that. So. Infamously, infamously, that scream silenced an entire middle school orchestra. Oh, we're talking about that off the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, Twisted Garden Studios, check them out on all the socials, Etsy pages, and everything. Justine, thank you for speaking with us here on The Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger here at CreepyCon. We're out. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> here we go. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We are lined up and ready to go at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're having a grand old time. This gentleman came by the booth a little while ago wanting to talk, and I was like, okay. And then he whipped out his card, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're talking to the Tennessee Paranormal folks. I got Ronnie Headley here for the past 40 years has been doing a lot of paranormal investigations and stuff. You know, Meat Hook Jim used to do that stuff too. So, and here's a little spoiler alert. We're going to do a paranormal roundtable sometime before Halloween if we can make it work out. And I have a feeling this gentleman might be a guest on there. Mr. Headley, how are you, sir? Doing fine. Thanks for uh, inviting me to do the interview. How uh, how has the show been for you? You know, I've seen you got a booth here. If you had a lot of people come by asking what you do or making appointments or making reservations to go out and investigate things. Absolutely. We've had a tremendous uh, response and everything, uh, talking to us about some of their homes and things and wanting us to come out and investigate for them, doing private investigations, and as well as us booking some uh, historical ghost walks and investigations of our own. It's it's. It's a weird subject. You, you, you got to admit, for the general public to say, I go out and I investigate ghosts. You know, it's it's big on TV and has been for a long time. People just assume you go into a building, you set up some equipment, and all of a sudden things happen. I assume it's a little bit different than what Hollywood and TV shows us. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, 100% different. Uh, I've done both aspects. I've appeared on some of the Travel Channel shows, and, uh, you know, when, when you get like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of airtime of a show, they don't realize they're in there for hours and hours and hours to get that, inv- you know, what you're seeing in 30 minutes. But uh, we have people that come in that are, uh, they bring stuff for us to look at and say, is, you know, I've got a picture of this, I've got a video of this, can you tell me if I've actually got something or I'm crazy? So we get a lot of response to that too. How, how many times are they just actually crazy? Um, <laughs> A lot of times we look at things, we try to look for, at a scientific point, you know, do it scientifically and debunk first, um, you know. So I'll look at some of the things and, you know, our security cameras catching all these orbs. Well, when you look close at it, you can tell it's either dust or, or bugs or something, you know. My ring doorbell's going off and I'm seeing these, these big streaks 
of orbs going across, and it's actually a moth at night, you know, a candle fly or something, you know, going across sure. the screen. So, you know, you get that, and, you know, people see so much of it on TV and everything that they want it to happen. They want right. want to be part of it. Or, you know, it, It's not good TV if you spend all night staring at something and nothing happens. So. Exactly, exactly. You, you got to have something happen to make it, I guess, to make it to the to the screen. But. Exactly, and you know, we do our, our ghost walks and everything, and uh, we do have people that send us pictures back of things that they've taken because I'll tell them locations to take pictures at, you know, and uh, we do that and uh, do get a lot of stuff back that is, you know, can't be described any other way, and uh, we host actual investigations where we'll take you inside these locations and everything and set up all the equipment and uh, we have a lot of you know where you hear voices see shadows things like that happen that can't be explained very interesting now about these ghost walks where do these occur i assume you you have a local historic district in a town that's got a lot of haunted history so to speak and you set up a tour there or is this something that's been going on for a long time or what i was invited by one of the uh people that live in Lynchburg, Tennessee to come in and meet a person that she knew that was working in one of the buildings on the square that was having some activity. So we went in and did some investigating. And I looked around at the old town and said, you know, there's got to be more here. And uh, Lynchburg is kind of hush-hush. They don't talk, you know, because they come from old moonshiners. You know, they're talking. I was going to say, there's a distillery in Lynchburg, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. And so, you know, you got a lot of old moonshiners there. That their kids and everything were grown up, talk, don't talk to outsiders. So they still kind of do that. So the lady carried me around and introduced me to some people. And we actually found 16 businesses on the square that was having some sort of activity. But they're like, don't tell any, we don't tell anybody because they'll think we're crazy. And they so, think it's the moonshine talking. Exactly. Or the distillery. Exactly. Yeah. But... Uh, we went in, spent about six months digging in research of archives and courthouse and records and uh, getting these people to let us inside their businesses to actually investigate and came up with enough evidence that we decided to stay in town. And so we do a two-and-a-half-hour ghost walk there. Um, is that a nightly thing or is that only on weekends or by appointment only or, or how does that work? We do it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and it. Uh, you go to TennesseeParanormal.com and you can book your tickets there. And uh, to if you've ever been on a ghost walk, it's usually somebody dressed up telling you stories. I like to think outside the box a little bit and kind of be creative with it. So I tried to take it to the next level. Uh, we play recorded history as we walk from location to location. Uh, it is the home of Jack Daniels, but we tell a lot of Jack's family's history and other people's history of the town other than just Jack Daniels. And uh, I recorded the business owners or an employee telling in their own words what's happening inside that business. So that gives it a twist to it. It's not like, how do I know he's not just telling me stories to take my money? And then I encourage people to go back and talk to these shop owners after they learn what businesses it are and their shop owners' names because we just have a little smidgen of what's out there. And they tell them stories. They... I go into town every every day now, and they tell me, "Hey, let me tell you what happened last night, or what happened this morning, what I found this morning." Right. Do you primarily stay in the Lynchburg area, or do you do investigations all over the state and maybe even out of state? We do. Uh, we do our basic 
ghost walks there, but as far as investigations, we do public and private investigations all over the United States. Okay. Uh, I just got back from Cody, Wyoming. I spent three nights in the Irma Hotel. So, I mean, you know, we, we choose spots to go to like that, too. Have you found there's a pattern, like this area is more haunted than this area? Is the East Coast, because of its age, have more activity than, say, the West Coast, which is a little bit, you know, hundred, couple of hundred years behind the development on the East Coast? Is the Northeast more? Is the Southeast? Is the West, with all its, you know, violent history? Is, is there an area of the country that has more activity than others? I think they're all about equal. The areas I've been into, you find, you know, basically about the same thing. You you have the historical aspect of it. You have Native American, even though it's the West is young, you still have the Native American activity there. You still have the conquering of the natives by the Spaniards and everybody else come in searching for gold. So you have a lot of violence and death and things like that. And then you get into the Aztec and Mayans and everything where there's human sacrifices back that far back. So you've got a lot of stuff that is tied to the land not necessarily buildings, but you got things that's tied to the land, too. So, What is the one most compelling piece of evidence that you personally have discovered in any place that you've investigated? I used to work at a historical Civil War site, and uh, a friend of mine's grandmother actually ran it as a brothel in the 50s and a shot house, um, you know, in the 30s and 40s and 50s. And... Um, had a tie to it so I would always go in I tell everybody be respectful it was somebody's mother father brother sister you know be very respectful so I would always go in and say good evening and call them by name and say you know I'm here at your home again I brought guests I hope you come out and talk to us and you know I'm not being disrespectful if you're asking me questions or say anything because the realm you're at I can't hear you but if you'll speak into my recorder when I play it back I can hear it and I'll come back and give you an answer and so I was leading some people up on the landing of the stairs, and this lady asked me a question. And I didn't hear it, but when I played my recorder back, I heard a woman's voice whisper, Hi, Ronnie. And I thought, holy crap, you know. And so the next time I couldn't go, but one of my teammates was there. Same location, same woman's voice, she captured, Where's Ronnie? So I've got those clips. So, I mean, it's just... That, to me, is the most amazing thing, that they actually call me by name. So, you know. We, we won't make any jokes about you visiting a brothel on many multiple times, but, yet again, that that's fascinating, just that they're like, where's Ronnie? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And, you know, I've got photographs of shadow figures just coming out and, and things like that, you know. But as I tell everybody, I can pull up tons and tons and tons of evidence and lay it out here and show it to you and tell you this is this and this is this. But those are my experiences. Right. The way you make it your experience is you go out and do it yourself and you capture it. So that's when it becomes your experience. It's it's all up to whatever somebody's interpretation is, I suppose. You know, what what that what you said is an orb might be a speck of dust, might be a moth, sure. might be an orb. We don't know. So encourage everybody to get out there and, and do their own research. For people wanting maybe more information on the Lynchburg ghost tours that you do or if they have some place that they would like an investigation or at least more information or if they have something that they would like identified or debunked, oh, if anything like that, how can people get more information from Tennessee Paranormal? You can go to our website, TennesseeParanormal.com. 
Our, we are Tennessee Paranormal Ghost Tours at Gmail. If you'd like to send us photos or videos or anything like that, we'd be glad to look at them and try to get back with you. Sounds like a blast. Ronnie Headley, a, a pleasure to have you here at Tennessee Paranormal. Go check out their website if you want to take a ghost tour around Lynchburg, Virginia. I hear the whiskey. Tennessee. Sorry, go ahead. Lynchburg, Tennessee, not Virginia, sorry. Home of, shall we say, a very prominent distillery that we will not, uh, that I can't mention because they're not sponsoring anything. You can mention it, but that's fine. But we'll uh, try to get you on when we do a paranormal roundtable because I am sure there's going to be some fantastic stories that all the investigators and guests will have. Thanks, sir. I'd be honored to be there. Once again, folks, Drew Badger here live at CreepyCon talking ghosts and the paranormal, and we're out. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. On a peaceful island, the cheerful sounds of children fill the air. But something strange is happening. Where are the people? Where are they, Tom? And only they know why. Island of the Damned, a nice place to visit, but you could never live there. Island of the Damned, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Broadcasting to you from the darkest reaches of the earth. This is a haunt minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. All right, so it's one of the best times of year. You can have a hard day at work, you can have a hard day going on, you know, stress at home, wherever, and you can wander into a store and see Halloween stuff out. Ooh, yeah, gives you that endorphins. Yeah, yummy, yummy. But, um... This year is a little different so far. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a shortage of some stuff. Uh, the shelves are not overflowing with Halloween stuff yet, uh, yet. Usually they are. I'm even finding Christmas ornaments first. But the Halloween stuff just hasn't gotten out there in full force. It trickles in here and there. And, you know, people are scooping up the stuff as soon as they can get it. You know, ooh, Halloween dog treats. I'm not going to look at the price. Get them for the new puppy. But, um, you know, wandering around today, I did notice something that there is not a shortage of. And, you know, goes converse last year. There is not a shortage of candy. And not just candy itself, but the selections of Halloween candy. Last year, Halloween candy selection was a little limited. You weren't going to get your specially shaped peeps. You weren't going to get your Reese's pumpkins and those types of things because they just didn't have the production and they were going to run those machines for Christmas and other things. Well, they got those machines rolling in the off-season, people, because there is a 
ridiculous, crazy, insane amount of Halloween candy already out there on the shelves in every shape and variety you can imagine. Did you want the uh, Reese's pumpkins? Well, you can get them in white chocolate, dark chocolate. You can get Franken cups where it's like half green and half chocolate. You can get, you know, uh, stuff that's shaped like a cat, shaped like a bat, shaped like a ghost, shaped like lips, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, the Halloween candies of old almost, the, the, the absolute variety. And it doesn't stop there. Hey, you want candy corn? Oh boy, we got some different candy corns for you. I saw Minion candy corn. Yeah, that's right. Minion candy corn. They're actually yellow and blue and pretty cool and, you know, uh, wild. But they, I mean, they pretty much have anything you can think of out there. And, you know, of course, pumpkin spice everything. Uh, So that selection's out there. So sugar up your actors. Get the stuff now. Save the cool shapes for yourself. Uh, it's all out there, folks, and there's a lot of neat, different variety for you to choose from. So keep your uh, haunt season active and going with your various shaped and flavored Halloween candies. Until next time, keep every minute scary. Also, don't buy a Bulbasaur on, like, Facebook, you know, with the pumpkin. That's, that's a scam. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. And in the meantime, Share your opinions on the Big Scary Show Facebook page and on Twitter at Big Scary Store. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Roundtable of Terror. We hope you are enjoying all the creepy con footage we had from Knoxville, Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Had a grand time there and all the fun stuff there. You know, this has to be the most frustrating time of the year because we are so close to haunts opening and they're just not there yet for most of them. Some will be opening this weekend. And some may already be open, but for the vast majority of them, there will still be a couple of weeks. And because of that, we unfortunately could not get any guests on the show. We had a couple who were tentatively scheduled, and unfortunately, they are just too busy trying to get their last-minute permits done, their walls, their painting, actors trained, what have you. So we're so close and yet it's not here. But by the next show, we'll definitely be having a lot of haunted houses opening across the country. So we are looking forward to that. So we just kind of have a casual show going on this time with no guests, just the host and special correspondent. And we're just going to kind of talk about whatever's on our mind. So for those new listeners out there, let's introduce our host up in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Greetings from, you know, the one part in the East Coast that's been spared from all the hurricanes, tornadoes, and 
crazy weather. I was going to ask if you if you've been affected by that because a lot of us have gotten a lot of rain. Hadn't been too but. bad. The rain for Rhode Island itself isn't isn't uh, been an issue. You go west of us, like Connecticut, Massachusetts, Berkshires. Yeah, a lot of rain and water. And my parents who live down outside the Philadelphia area, I mean, that has just been a disaster. I mean, you know, you haunters and Philly and stuff. I hope you're doing well on things because it, w- it was nuts. We don't get tornadoes down there. And there's like six of them that touch down. I mean, mm. my mom sent me pictures from her porch. I'm like, uh, maybe you want to go in the basement. <laughs> down in Columbus or uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, I should say, we have Meat Hook Jim. You know, I managed to avoid a lot of that weather as well, thankfully. Uh, unfortunately, my, my brother wasn't as, as fortunate. He lives just outside of Philadelphia. So uh, he's got a business out there and I had three locations and one of them, two of them had to close because of flooding. But uh, hey, you know, I, I'm dry and you know, my little brother will recover. So uh, there you go. Well, dry as you can be drinking a Nosferatu red ale. So yes, <clears throat> semi-dry, we'll say that. Uh, we're bringing in tonight our special correspondent, Jana Summer from Arkansas. Please refresh my memory. Is it Jonesboro that you're in? Fayetteville. Fayetteville, sorry. I know it's somewhere in Northwest Arkansas and I did not have it written down. So please forgive me, but welcome to the show. Thank you. And I avoid, you know, I try to avoid all the tornadoes ever since, you know, that little girl dropped a house on my sister (laughs) (laughs) enjoy her old crone segment coming up later in the show folks my name is drew badger down in charlotte we got a lot of rain yesterday morning we got some major major storms that rolled through here and uh one of them hit my brother-in-law's house or at least it hit a tree in his house and fried most of his electronics and blew the top off his water heater so that's in itself pretty darn scary So if there's any haunt owners out there that can recreate an exploding water heater, that's a pretty terrifying sight. But uh, gentlemen and lady, we don't really have a topic, but I do want to bring up something that I have noticed on the social medias over the last week or so. There have been some very cryptic messages coming from our very own Meat Hook Jim. Jim, what's going on with all these cryptic messages? Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) <laughs> yes, we would. That's why we asked you. Well, if I if I gave all the answers, they wouldn't be cryptic, now would they? Answer the damn question. In itself, <laughs> a cryptid answer. Yes. Okay, well, I will say that uh, I, I am working on rebranding uh, myself. Uh, and I have to say, first of all, thank you to Storm for giving me the name of Meat Hook Jim because... That has really is really just taken off, and a lot of people know me as Meat Hook Jim, uh, especially in the wrestling world right now, um, which is part of the reason I started creating uh, these cryptic messages because I, I am a ring announcer in the pro wrestling world, and I'm trying to, to, for lack of a better term, whore myself out to other promotions if they need, you know, a ring announcer. However. Meat Hook Jim also obviously carries over into the horror side. And, you know, my last message was Meat Hook Jim is here. Does that mean Meat Hook Jim is going to be out there acting? Maybe, maybe not. You have to keep 
watching my page, Meat Hook Jim, Facebook.com slash Meat Hook Jim, <laughs> what, what I'm up to this Halloween season. You're obviously keeping this as a better secret than you did your your secret identity before. Mm. Oh, you mean the you're other much? <laughs> yeah, you're doing a much better job of being secretive this time. <laughs> I learned my lesson after that one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it's worst kept secret in the business. Exactly, <laughs> my eye. <laughs> but you know, Meat Hook Jim is my persona now, and. Uh, I've even had a new logo created. If you've seen my cryptic messages, uh, more to come soon. Trust me. I've got more cryptic messages to put out there. And, you know, I could appear at any number of haunts in the Ohio area. Um, you just got to watch and see what happens. Nice. So what is it with Ohio? Because you can't hardly throw a rock without finding a haunt in Ohio. What makes Ohio so special for haunted attractions? The decline of the bowling alley. Ah. (laughs) Well, for some reason, Ohio has like the highest concentration of haunts in the country. Mm -hmm. They do. Uh, And that's just, I I agree with Storm. It's because of the decline of the bowling alley. But there just seems to be a lot of haunters in Ohio. I mean, I've acted at, I lost count of how many haunts I've acted at over the years, mostly in Ohio, but there's some in, you know, I'm in the tri-state area. I can work in Ohio. I can work in Indiana. I can work in Kentucky. Uh, I'm in, you know, I'm down in the Cincinnati area. So it's like a tri-state area there, but you know, I've been uh, up North. I've worked in Toledo. I have worked in Columbus. Uh, I've been to Akron. I haven't worked in Akron yet, but never say never. See, I figure whenever I retire, that's what I'm going to do the first season that I am not running my own haunt is I'm going to go to Ohio because I can see so many haunts all in one location, basically. Ohio is not exactly a small state. True. It's not a huge state like Texas or, you know, Alaska, but Ohio has got a fair number of haunts that just, uh, and just around Ohio too, you know, you got just outside in the Pittsburgh area, you've got uh, Hundred Acres Manor, amazing haunt. Uh, Definitely. And, and then you know, it's not too far to Indiana or Illinois, uh, Kentucky, to even Tennessee. Ohio is a central location, not just for Ohio haunts, but you can go to all these different haunts that are within a, a decent driving distance and. That's one of the things I like about living here is because of that fact that you can go to these different states and see these different haunts. And, you know, part of my plan this year is I'm not going to be acting all season. You'll actually, you might be lucky if I act twice this year, but you have to watch where. Uh, Spoilers. Yeah, I'm not telling you. But you can, I can travel to all these haunts around here and see what's going on and things that I've missed when I was working full time. So I'm excited about this Halloween season and I'll squeeze it in there between my pro wrestling gigs, but yeah, that's, that's where I, that's where I'm looking at right now. And that's probably one of the reasons Midwest Haunters convention was so successful was because, you know, the tour is based in Columbus, which is as almost as centrally located in Ohio as you can get a little bit to the South, but very central. 
But in two hours, you could be in Cleveland or Cincinnati. Three hours, you could be in Louisville or, you know, Akron or, you know, they even made trips out to Indiana and even Michigan, even Western Michigan. I think Niles Screen Park was as far as we ever made it out. But we went to Pittsburgh and we went to West Virginia. We went to all these places just kind of shooting out like spokes from a bicycle wheel. And it was fantastic. It was it was what I know I went to at least six or seven and I don't think we repeated any in all those times that I was doing those tours. I know there were some years where we did have to repeat a couple of them, but you know, they're fantastic haunts. You've so, felt like they're the same. No, I mean, and you, and you haven't gone in four or five years to it. So, you know, it's obviously changed a lot. So, you know, and you know, not to belittle MHC going to Chicago, there's a, ton of haunts in chicago and i look forward to you know those being on the tours as well so it should be fascinating but it is an interesting question why ohio indiana illinois michigan all seem to be like where haunt central is in the country you know you've got a lot in texas you got a few in, you know in other places but you're right it's it's that midwest thing and i don't know why that is either you know we don't have that many in the in the Carolinas, we've got some good ones, but they are they are kind of scattered. So, well, you fascinating. know, they've got a good concentration in California. <laughs> yeah, there's a good concentration of everything in California. <laughs> True, but I mean, you know, the thing, Ohio. I mean, the, the thing is, there's only so many times you can go to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> or, or to a Reds game or a Bengals game, or but. But, you know, personally, I think, it, you know, the thing with the Midwest, being an East Coast person who's wandered out to the Midwest occasionally, spent a week out there, you know, you get bored because the sidewalks and stuff roll up uh, and haunts by definition are an evening event. They they are a social activity. You can pop them up anywhere. If you got a field, you can do a haunt. You got an empty building, you got a haunt. Ohio's got a lot of fields and empty buildings. You know, most of the Midwest does. Um, you know, I remember visiting my sister in Kenosha, uh, which kind of was very Midwest. And, uh, you know, they're juggling kids and stuff. And, you know, I'm leaving their place like at seven o'clock going back to where I'm staying. I'm like, oh, I need to get dinner. Nothing's open and there's nothing to do. So, you know, again, the decline of the bowling alley. Bowling alley used to be your evening activity on weekends and stuff, but it ain't the hip, cool thing to do. So, you know, I think haunts have found a place to to jump in with that. You know, even movies is only so much, and you really got to do a heavy investment for a movie theater. So that's you know, you're talking, you know, in Ohio, you're trying to pull in three, four towns with that. You know, the haunts, and and the thing is, we see a lot of the smaller haunts in Ohio. And another thing which could be a factor too is um, some of like the JCs. And schools and stuff using it as a promotion and building up out there, uh, you know, as, as a big thing. And, and, you know, through the 70s and 80s would grow it uh, out, you know, East Coast, other places, you would have amusement parks and stuff you go to. Ohio grew their amusement parks, but they weren't like horror uh, funhouse destinations. You know, you're if Kings Island, you're going for the roller coasters. There wasn't really Halloween events and stuff like that, you know. Uh, New Jersey and, you know, Myrtle Beach and stuff, there would be a haunted house or something on a pier. Uh, so, you know, there's there's that factor, too. Uh, the, the charity is building up the haunts. Interesting point. Um, 
A couple of uh, Ohio's favorite sons, Ed and Gavin from Midnight Syndicate, made some news this week when, uh, you know, we had them on Big Scary News, and uh, they announced that they were coming back to Cedar Point in Sandusky for yet another year. But uh, the big news that they just released this week is that they are, <clears throat> excuse me, they are re-releasing their music from Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. And I believe on October 6th, they are going to be doing a live signing in Orlando at Halloween Horror Nights. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure their ticket sales are going to skyrocket for that night if they're not already sold out. Probably sold but, uh, out. Probably. And they're only going to do a limited edition 1,000 1, issue of this re-release, which is supposed to have bonus tracks. And I remember last year, boy, those things sold out in, what, 24 hours? Oh, the records. They were sold out before yeah. they could put them on the store. That, that may be. But I know they are definitely holding some this time for that signing. So, you know, kudos to Ed and Gavin, some of Cleveland's finest sons there for that. See, that's that's the one bummer, though, is... You can only buy it's only it's only on orange vinyl. It's only at, at Universal Orlando. Um, so it's like people like us, we can't get a hold of this. Can you not pre-order it? No. Ooh, that I did not know. Although did I? I don't remember. It's in the news. We'll have to go back and re-listen to that. It's a it's a, I think it's a limited run of a thousand. It is. Uh, and it's like I said, it's pressed orange vinyl and you can only get them down there. So it's like, ugh, I want, but you know, we get, I just want, of, we get a lot of I just wanna, exclusives. Go ahead. So. Yeah. I just want to go to Hollywood Horror Nights. I have never been. I've been. And uh, neither in Hollywood or Orlando. And uh, actually just snagged two actors from them. Really? Yes. They just moved to this area to go to the university and uh, contacted me and it was really interesting getting to hear firsthand um the audition process and things that they go through there so i'm thrilled to have them they're gonna i think uh these two guys are gonna bring a lot to uh to banshee manor with their experience there nice. one of the things i thought that was so interesting was you know i made sure they understood you know you know i'm not Halloween, you know, Hollywood Horror Nights, you know, a little bitty, you know, establishment, <laughs> but um, is they take, they work 45 minute shifts that each role is cast double so that they can, they work 45 minutes because I mean, their, their line is just going, you know, nonstop. So they work 45 minutes off 45 minutes and they swap in and out. And that's how they keep their energy up through the whole night. Nice. You know, and I was like, well, you know, you'll get one pee break. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, you know, I can't do 45 minutes on, 45 minutes off, you know. But yeah, I'm really excited to have their experience and, and, uh, you know, get to hear, you know, how, how the big boys do things. Well, this, this kind of leads into an interesting segue because you are, as it stands right now, the only current member of the show that actively owns a haunt. I know, you know, Storm was manager at a, at a haunt for a while. Jim was an actor at one. I was an actor at one. And, and uh, as we mentioned in the intro, this is the time of year. Everyone's trying to put their last second times on there. So, I mean, I don't know your opening day as of yet. Feel free to plug that. 
But um, what are some of the things that you have to worry about in mid to late September if you're planning on doing an early October or late September open? What are some of the last second things that Banshee Manor has to worry about and probably a whole lot of other haunts around the country? Yeah, everything. I am. Yes, everything. Yes. <laughs> Where do I begin? I actually, um, we are only open three weekends. So my opening night is going to be October 15th. So we do 15, 16, 17. We do the, the, this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so we'll only be open nine dates this year. But um, right no, now, it's not I'm, a bad number. No. <laughs> Um, right now, I'm busy getting everything ready because we have actor training on Saturday morning. So I'm working on um, con updating contracts and um, staff handbooks and getting all of that stuff ready. I'm also finalizing some stuff for a local charity that we're doing a charity night um, for. So um, finishing up some... Uh, we did a photo shoot a couple of weeks ago. So trying to get all of that stuff finalized so we can update everything. So yeah, my list is, you know, about uh, four pages long of everything that's got to get done, you know? So it's, yeah, as Storm said, it's everything. It's everything. And work a 40 hour job. Oof. Yeah. My favorite hey, you know, time of uh, this time of year when opening up the haunts would be the light check. Um, you know, working on a hayride and outdoor event. That, that was always awesome. And mainly it'd be me and Scary Larry on a four-wheeler in the dark, driving around, turning on lights and stuff. I'm trying to get pictures. He's turning lights on and off on me. We're being attacked by bats, birds, deer, all kinds of crazy stuff out in the woods. I have great audio from years from, but the light check was such a neat thing because it really got you pumped into the mood and stuff. And, you know, you, this is a great time of year to bring around your central crew, your managers and stuff. We, we go and we have a dinner, we do a light check and music check and stuff so that we had the things ready when we start pulling in the actors and we want them to see the scenes and, you know, there'll, there'll be a walkthrough during the day and we'll go through things. But then we, we also want to try and have them see it at night. And some of the actors, the good ones will be excited too. You know, if we take them through the hayride, we'd have walkthrough people show up that weekend uh, because they want to see their scenes in dark at the night. And we go and do that. So sometimes we'd be out there later than the actual haunt, uh, especially at the beginning of the season. It's also the big time for all your promo stuff. You know, the tickets, are they coming back from the printer on time? Is everything printed right? Are you getting your brochures all your media and stuff out there the spirits are opening up if they have brochures or flyers or something adam are you getting them out there do you have a plan with your actors to distribute this type of thing uh you know making sure that your advertising is hitting you may have purchased it months ago but you want to make sure that it's starting to pop up now uh because this is when you want to advertise uh, you don't want to advertise the last two weeks of October. Right? It's Halloween. Everybody's thinking about Halloween and stuff. So they're actively searching you out. Your casual person who you want to pad your numbers with, who you want to come out, who you want them to tell their friends, oh, my God, we got to go back and do this. I got to bring Jenny, Danny, Taffy, and whoever, uh, because they'll be fun and scream on it uh, in October. Uh, those are people you want to come out now. So it's just making sure that all works making sure, you know, your online ticketing works, your regular ticketing works, uh, and just, you know, almost a run through to make sure that, you know, opening night isn't a freaking disaster. 
I don't even get into my space until the 25th mm. of September. And that's only the patio space. I don't get into the interior space until October 11th. See, and, and that makes it harder. And then October 15th. That makes it harder, and that's bigger prep because if you're dropping stuff in, where okay. you have it stored, you're making sure it's lined up. You're making sure okay. it's in the order of things. You know, people, okay. if you haven't built a haunt, it's a lot of moving stuff around. Okay. It's not fun decorating, doing stuff. It's knowing this piece has to get in here before that piece, or it's not going to come together. And it, it's getting it, it, having to do things in the right order is insane. I mean, haunt building is just all logistics. Uh-huh. And sometimes, you know, you got to do just in time, especially when you're outside, because you can't leave things uh, like generators and stuff out there forever. You know, some of the wiring and stuff, mice like eating it. You get the rain and flooding we got now. If your haunt is underwater and you have things that didn't need to be out there, they're going to be ruined for the season. How many times have you opened up a storage locker that hasn't been opened in 10 months and you've got mold all over your costumes or, you know, the things that you put away that were working are not working now. How big of an issue is that? Um, I've never had that happen because I make sure everything is stored away um, properly. Um, All of my costumes get, um, get cleaned and I pack them in vacuum bags and they actually go under my bed Um, (laughs) because storage is, you know, is a prime real estate. I put um, cotton or not cotton balls, uh, moth balls in my storage unit to keep little vermin away and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I do occasionally, you know, I'll open up a tote and find out why are there, you know, why is there a bag of cookies in this tub? You know, <laughs> things like that you know and that's because you know the staff's not you know paying attention whenever they pack things but packing things away tearing down is almost logistically as important um as as the setup it really is the work you do in november is paying Uh off now Uh the work you do in november pays off in september threefold Uh no doubt it is i want to I want to remind you, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We're not really talking about anything and everything at the time with, with Storm, Meat Hook Jim, the old crone, and myself, Drew Badger. We're going to take a very short break, pay a bill or two, and we'll be right back. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Drivers, where are we? Jerry Bain takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show with Storm Meat Hook Jim, the old crone myself, Drew Badger. And uh, as I mentioned into the intro, Jim said he was dry. 
but yet he was drinking a Nosferatu red ale, I believe. And uh, that is something that kind of comes up every Halloween season. There is an influx of Halloween-related foods and beers and sodas and, and stuff. I've seen, I'm already seeing pumpkin Reese's Cups in the convenience store. I've already seen the orange Oreo cookie fillings and... You know, I think Storm just said sent something regarding a new beer. What's going on there, Storm? Well, I, I, you know, looking for things to rant about with uh, Haunt Minute. I was looking through things, and we, we were talking the, the beers and stuff, and I found a Haunted House beer, actually, brewed in Portland, Maine. Yay! Hi, everybody. Um, and just kicking out a link with that, with the dark flavors and stuff, you know. Uh, micro brews and stuff are such a big thing. I, I you know, there's always a thing with haunters and haunt events. I, I, my poor mother, I'd send her pictures of partying with haunters, and you know, there'd be flamethrowers and stuff, and she'd call my circus people friends, and I really couldn't, you know, refute that because it could be a 4th of July party. Someone's dressed like a clown and somebody else is breathing fire over a pool. I'm like, I don't circus people, friends. But <laughs> I, I often wonder, like, you know, when I was, you know, working, you know, younger and 15, 20 years ago with the haunts and more of the party thing, even even towards the ends of uh, working at, you know, I just, all right, guys, I, I got work in the morning. I got to go. But, you know, it, the, the the craft beers and the theme beers and stuff too would would that have affected what we you know purchase and got for it you know the biggest thing with haunt parties with jello shots and the secret to the jello shots is buy the cheapest plastic bottle vodka you can possibly find because you can make a ton of them and everybody thinks you're making them really strong but in reality, they're not strong. It is cheap garbage vodka that tastes terrible, but you can taste it through the jello. So then your friends can eat a whole bunch of them and not die on the way home. So that was actually okay. my secret with haunt parties and stuff is I'd use the cheapest goddamn stuff you could find so that my friends do not die. <laughs> but, you know, with some of these craft beers and neat themes and stuff to it, then I even wonder, would I have appreciated that like 20 years ago? Or is it just like, oh, no, I can get a six pack of haunted house beer, you know, if I take out a loan on my car or uh, I, I can get some, you know, a 30 pack of Paps Blue Ribbon for $9.99. You know, that's pretty much how it went. You know, Jim, I you you are so you are so noted for your. uh buying of haunt related beers it's 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 almost fascinating i can't imagine if you collect the cans or not how big that collection would be uh you know i collected the bottles for a long time then you found there was a deposit well no no <laughs> deposit in ohio but uh the wife finally decided she'd had enough so um i don't have them anymore However, that's like your mother getting rid of baseball cards. Ah, I got a, I've got a video I, I did. It's on my Facebook someplace with a bunch of beers that are, are haunt related and including a couple of wines as well. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at this one that Storm posted while we were on break and it got this haunted house ale. Um, and it's uh, it's a pitch black porter. Yes black beer i'm sold i can't get it in ohio i have to go to pennsylvania to get the shit 
but uh, I mean, I, I've got the Nosferatu Imperial Red Ale here. I mean, it's kind of hard to see, but it doesn't matter because we're only on audio. Uh, That's right. But uh, there's just a slew of, of haunt-related beers out there. I'm not talking about the pumpkin ales because pumpkin ales have exploded. It's that time of year again. There's a pumpkin, every brewery's got a pumpkin ale out there. I think and, you yep. can get an exploded pumpkin ale. <laughs> and you know what? The pumpkin ales, depending on the brewery, are great. I, I, I love some of them. And if it wasn't for the fact that I saw the Nosferatu, I would have picked up a six-pack of pumpkin ale. Uh, but there is uh, so many haunt-related beers. I mean, not just domestic, but imported, too. Um, I, I got several from England. Like, there's a Hobgoblin, which is a, uh, is a, is a porter. And then there's Witch, which is a blonde ale. Uh, there's a, a beer out of Lithuania called Werewolf. Um, there is, uh, uh, great divide brewery has a, has a Sasquatch ale, mm. uh, Hades ale. Um, and, and the list goes on and on. There's a, I'm drawing a blank on a lot of these, but they're out there. And if you're a beer aficionado and I buy a lot of my beers based on haunt related stuff. You know, you know, Jim, when you finally run out of countries to talk funeral practices for Between the Corpses, you should go around the world and review haunt beers. Uh, that's that would be just, that would be a very interesting topic, I think. You know, you could do live tasting and describe and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that'd be fascinating the next time you go Between the Corpses. So <clears throat> when you run out of countries, start start looking at Werewolf and Sasquatch and witch and and all that stuff that sounds that sounds great uh, it, and it goes i i even tried a there was a scorpion ale that i tried uh, a few years back made with ghost peppers Ooh. yeah i only got through about half of that couldn't take the brewery, it the brewery that i used to work with does an annual whale of the banshee and i and i can't tell you what's in it because i haven't worked there in many in a couple of years at least need but, that uh, one I'll, I'll have to go see if he's uh if he's running that this year because if he is he's probably got it sitting in his tanks now because i know he i think he lets it sit in whiskey barrels and i i think it's a port or a stout i'm not sure i'll have to uh get a hold of him and find out if he's doing a run of that this year and if he does maybe i'll send you you guys one just for uh yeah. You know, aesthetic purposes, of course. But uh, well, I, don't, I don't do beer. But you know what I did last Friday? The Crone Sisters. We went and we hung out at a grand opening for a food truck called the Witching Hour. And Ooh. it is a horror themed uh, food truck. And the food was amazing. Um, and, you know, he, reading through his menu was a lot of fun. So like onion rings are called crop circles. And okay. he's got a cookie instead of being s'mores. It's called the Jason Smorhees. And he has uh, the Candyman burger, which has candied bacon on it and okay. um, red rum cakes and, and things like that. So that's a lot of fun, you know, having the, the horror themed uh, food. And, and for his grand opening, he showed, uh, I think he showed Beetlejuice. Um, he put up a screen and watched, you know, showed movies and things like that. So that was kind of fun. Sounds like it. 
I, I, you know, hearing about that, I would have been worried it would have been all peeled grapes and cold spaghetti. <laughs> Stick your hand through the curtain to receive your food. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing. That's the other thing too. As a haunt, as a as you know, a haunter, a haunt enthusiast, a Halloween enthusiast. How many of those stupid checkout, you know, uh, recipe haunted theme booklets do you have? It's like we get one every year and we're going like, yeah, we're going to make all of these things. The mummy wieners or these cookies and that. I swear to God, we probably got a drawer with like six of them someplace. About 500 different, you know, oh, we'll make these cookies. We never make any of this stuff. I I don't have a one because I don't have time. Well, I know I don't have time. We I mean, just, by the time know, I would have go time to make, to make that, then it's no longer Halloween and everyone would, you know, think I'm weirder than I already am. <laughs> Didn't Chris Kulstrom write a couple of books on that, on how to entertain Halloween style? I'm sure. Yeah, I believe there's, there's some of that in there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we'll have to talk about that sometime with her. She hasn't been on the show in a couple of years. You know, definitely that, have to. You mentioned a banshee ale, and actually, there's a re- there's an ale I've had before called Red Banshee, done by Fort Collins Brewery. Um, I, I'm looking at my I have an app on my phone called Untapped, which lists all the beers that I rank. Jim, uh, do we do we need to do an intervention for you? No. Okay. <laughs> how about how about Zombie Dust? Ooh. Or Bourbon Barrel Aged Creep Show. I think we have found your next topic for Between the Corpses. Uh, I think we have. I, I, I'm <laughs> Wake up dead. I've done that a time or two. That's usually me on Sunday mornings after working yep. a haunt until two or three in the morning. Ugh. So. Oh, they just the list fade to black. I mean, uh, the list the, goes on and on. The Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> That sounds like a wreck to me. Bump, bump. <laughs> up, too, up. Soon, too soon. Too Sorry. soon. Too soon. Too soon. Uh, All just... those millennials are out there going, who? What? Yeah. I don't get it. Skull Ask your parents. Splitter. You'll know. Skull Splitter. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. That was a great band. I saw them in concert once. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Milk. Uh, and you know the list goes on. Foolish mortal. Saw them in concert. Ooh. Think they opened up for a Zeppelin um, cover band. Nice. Obsecutioner. Obsecutioner. We're just trying too hard now. Yeah, they're they're not as clever as they were when you started. Oh mm. uh, well, you know, the the list could go. I could sit here for an hour with the list, but well, there you go. Yeah, but uh. Charge, you know, for the people that are listening, I'm saying give these horror themed beers a chance. For the people still listening, yeah, <laughs> they may be rushing out to their local package store. Who knows? I've even but, had a, um, I've even had a wine called Dracula's Blood. Very nice. See, listeners, these are the these are the beers to keep in reserve because right. we know the haunt actors. You're not giving them these. These these no. are the ones you pull out when it's just the management team. And I have also brewed a blood red ale myself. Was that Actually, the Ed I, Douglas one you made? I'm sorry. Was that the Ed Douglas IPA yes. or whatever that you built? 
Oh, the Midnight Syndicate ALI. Yes. yes. There you go. Special. Never before made, before or since. I remember when you gave that to him and he like was like, holy cow, you made me a beer. Yeah, and he loved it. Very dude. cool. I thought it was awesome. Mm. Should make that again. Yes, I should. But anyway, that, that also brings up something kind of interesting here. And, and looking at the clock here, you know, we, we might start winding down a little bit. But uh, this is, you know, pre-haunt season. Do you guys and ladies have any kind of, say, traditions that you put on now in September? You know, everybody in October decorates their house up or, or does things for the Halloween season. Is there anything you do in September? Are you, are you the kind that actually pulls the decorations out now as opposed to waiting until October 1st? Or are you, you know, planning your routes to go find home haunts and professional haunts and pumpkin patches and trails now or do you have any kind of traditions or anything that you do in september related to haunt season i usually say it's not haunt season until blood is shed um like either that. cutting yourself or like i did last night pinching my arm in the damn garage door Oops. seems like i do that at least once every season mm. uh, so yeah until you get get burned by a glue gun or you shed blood, it's not haunt season. <laughs> that is our sacrifice to the haunted house gods. You, you must satisfy the haunted house gods. Yes, yes. It's usually me before sacrifice. a flight going to a convention working on my costume. <laughs> blood and hot glue burns. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I start getting everything ready for the house because we do the digital decorations here. Um, I've got a, uh, a couple of um, video projectors that I project the uh, Atmos FX videos on Windows. Uh, and then I start looking around and see where I want to go for the season. And, you know, obviously being the big scary show and everything, we, you know, uh, Scarefest is coming up, which uh, we're working on the, working on that so I can get out there and get some interviews for the show. Um and then um, Midnight Syndicate, uh, uh, Badger and I have been talking about uh, coordinating so we can go see Legacy of Shadows, which we, no, Conspiracy of Shadows, which we haven't seen yet. No, we have, we are hopefully going to have an interview with Tony Clark of Cedar Point sometime in the very near future. So all you listeners, stay tuned for that. Yes, yes. Um, and like I told you earlier, I mean, I've had haunts going, hey, are, are you going to come out? Are you going to haunt with us at least one night? And it's like, uh, you know, with, with Meat Hook Jim, you never know, but I will. I <laughs> never know where I'm going to show up. It's going to be somewhere in Ohio, Kentucky, or Indiana. But I can probably tell you in fair, in fair confidence that I will make an appearance acting at at least one haunt this season. I kind of sort of can guess what it is, but I will leave that up to speculation for now. So you're probably you right. Be. Hmm? You never know. Storm, do you guys prepare anything at this point? Are you hooking up the? Are you looking for the uh, foam carved pumpkins? Are you? you know, oh, always doing your um, shopping list now. <laughs> I, I I live in New England, so I'm you know obligated to go apple picking into an antique store uh, before October comes. <laughs> I, that's a law up here. But um, no, just looking for Halloween stuff. I mean, you know, I'm so desperate looking for Halloween stuff today. I bought Halloween treats for my uh dog 
because that's the only thing they had out on the shelf yet. But um, no, it, it's it's prepping for what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks. Like I'm I'm waiting for the uh, air blown plastic jack o' lanterns to uh, hit the stores because I have a fun neat project planned for that. So I need you know eight of them. Um, I got everything else for that project, and you know bought a new amp thing for the sound system for my singing pumpkins and stuff. So it's just planning, seeing what's in the stores, and then you know in October buying other stuff I don't need to put out with all their stuff I plan to get in September. So nice. John, I imagine you're just up to your ears in Banshee Manor stuff right now, but do you get a chance to do anything to your house or anything like that? I don't. I mean, I used to, I came from a home haunter background, but once I went pro, I don't decorate the house anymore because I'm not home. And I would just, I would hate for somebody to say, oh, that looks like a really cool place to go. It's all decorated. And then trick or treat, you know, I'm here to trick or treat and there's nobody here to actually pass out the candy. So, so I don't do, you know, I mean, my bedroom is Gothic and um, Ed, my gargoyle that I bought from distortions is in the corner of my kitchen. So my house kind of always, the interior always stays (laughs) a little decorated, you know, regardless what time of year it is. Um, but yeah, I don't really, my, my focus is 110% on the haunt. So I can't, I can't always justify spending $20 on something cute at the store, but in my house, whenever I know that's $20 worth of batteries I could buy to, you know, run my spotlights or something. So. Good point. You break out the DVDs and uh, Blu-rays and digital for Halloween movies and stuff to get inspired at this time of year. I do do that. I, I watch scary movies or listen to Midnight Syndicate or um, podcasts, you know, like the big scary show and stuff to uh, keep me company while I'm working on on things. So, yeah, that definitely gets me inspired. Or if I've just, you know, I'm really worn out and tired it's nice to unwind to some blood and gore before going to sleep. Nice, nice. soothing sounds of teenagers yeah. screaming for help. Yeah. <laughs> is, there any particular, is there any particular movie coming out this year that people are looking forward to? I think Halloween Kills. Yep, Halloween there's Kills. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Halloween Kills. Um, There'll be another Haunted Mansion um Special movie thing with Muppets and stuff on Disney. The new Adams Family. There's another Adams Family animated coming out, which I'm really excited about. Jeepers Creepers. And a live action. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they uh, filming uh, something up in the Providence area, Storm? Why, yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) I've only received... I've only received 500 posts on it and people asking because they're looking for extras for Hocus Pocus 2 that they're filming in parts of Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, which I'm sure will just be some side things and stuff to it. I'm actually finally glad they're making it so I can stop hearing about haunters talking about Hocus Pocus 2. (laughs) Well, you did have that... You had that riveting role in Underdog. Maybe you can get another uh, role here for Hocus Pocus 2 to add to your IM. Not mocking at all. You can add it to your IMDb page. Mm. If you had one. I actually play. (laughs) 
I play Winifred Sanderson. One of the things I do during the off season is I work for a um, company that does a murder mystery uh, dinner. Um, it's a lot of fun at Riverside Entertainment. And this season is villains. And I am Winifred Sanderson, complete with the red wig and the, the buck teeth, which are much harder to talk with than you would think. Um, but yeah, she's, she's, you know, like a dream role, whatever. I found out that that's who I was going to be doing this season. I was extremely delighted and it's, it's a blast to play her. Nice. So, well, folks, looking at the clock here, and I know it's not our usual very, very long round table, but this has been a fun conversation with uh, no particular topics going on. Uh, I want to thank all of our hosts and special correspondents for taking the time out of their, no doubt, very busy Halloween prep schedules to come and talk to us here. Uh, Jonathan, since you've got the only haunt going on right now, why don't you give it a quick plug for people up in the northwest arkansas area that may be interested in banshee manor yeah come out to banshee manor we're located in locomotion family fun park we'll be opening october 15th 16th and 17th the next two weekends through halloween friday saturday and sunday and um, if you want to find out more go to the website bansheemanor.com nice and of course we couldn't do this without our regular co-hosts including storm Make sure to join us next week with our new podcast, Bats and Brews, the best in haunted um, beers. <laughs> That's the word. Meet Hook Jim. You know, that may become the next Between the Corpses, but uh, if you want to check out more about what I'm up to this season, facebook.com backslash Meat Hook Jim. Check it out. You never know what you, where I'm going to be. Nice. The old crone. Yeah, the old crone has some new things coming up. <laughs> Very nice. My name is Drew Badger, and I just want to wish my oldest daughter a speedy recovery. She apparently has broken her ankle today when she called me and said, Dad, I hope I'm still under your insurance. And thankfully, she is. This is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show.
Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are traveling to the Caribbean island of Barbados. Before the availability of funeral homes, the body of a deceased person remained at home for no longer than three days until the funeral, and many persons came to see the body. The first night was usually very solemn, as the sadness and grief of the family was usually raw, and they were in the height of mourning for their deceased loved one. People casually sat around, talked, and comforted one another, sang special hymns and prayed. In both islands, persons who came to the home usually made contributions of food items such as rice, flour, oils, and dried meats, which were prepared throughout the nights of the wake. There was also an abundance of other food and beverages, including bread, buns, coffee, cocoa, ginger beer, and alcohol, which was usually in the form of strong rum to keep celebrants awake throughout the nights of the wake. In some instances, those who could afford gave money to the family. The second night of the wake was called Nancy or Anansi Story Night, where stories were told about the adventurers of Br'er Anansi, Br'er Rat, Compare Lion, and the Devil. Dramatizations were often used to spice up the stories and make them funnier and more dramatic. This night involved the playing of card games, dominoes, and other ring games, especially if there was moonlight. Third night, as the name suggests, was the third night of the wake and was slightly different from the first two nights. It was believed that the spirit of the dead had reached its final destination. This was usually the night prior to the funeral, which took the form of a prayer meeting with the singing of hymns and prayers being said for the soul of the departed and his surviving family. On the fourth to eighth eighth night of the wake, the activities were usually identical to those of the previous night's activities and involved a combination of singing, prayers, games, and storytelling, with food and drinks being prepared and served throughout the night. The first nine nights of the wake were collectively referred to as nine nights, and the final of these nine nights was probably the most important of the first nine nights. There was an abundance of more food and drinks than on previous nights, and more people attended the Nine Nights activities than previous nights. It was in the form of large prayer meeting that this was held on the third night and is referred to as Praise Night or simply Praise. For this special night, a large tent was erected in the yard of the deceased with a head table for those who could lead the night's proceedings with chairs and benches to accommodate the attendants. The spiritual Baptists or Shakers, as they are called, usually played an important role and the celebration of wakes on the ninth night, with the pointer leading the activities. In many cases, this was usually repeated on the 40th night of the death, and in some instances repeated yearly on the anniversary of the death. The majority of activities during the nights have decreased considerably in both islands over the years. In the early days, before there were radio stations, there were no public announcements. In Barbados, when someone died, the announcement of the death was spread by word of mouth from one village to another, while in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, there were usually a male 
and representative from the village who volunteered to be a crier. He walked around and announced the death from door to door, and other villages joined in to spread the news. There was also a distinctive ringing of the bells of churches that signaled that someone had died in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. This trolling was very different and distinct from then which announced church services. However, when radio stations became popular in the early 70s, death announcements became part of public information, and this is still the tradition today. The obituaries provided information about the funeral, when and where it will be taking place, and other pertinent details of the proceedings. Now that's a little bit about Barbados, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. See you on the next show. Passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine foot giants, great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com Now that's creepy. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We are at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. And one of the things I like about this convention is a lot of local haunted attractions put their booths up here and have some folks uh, come and enjoy the stuff that find out what's going on this year and uh, they don't get much more local than Screamville who is actually in Knoxville, Tennessee. I got the owner Doug Cox with us. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's good to see you back, Drew. Always a pleasure to see you, sir. Now, tell me a little bit about Screamville. You were open last year or were you closed last year? We opened last year. Um, you know, we, we, we had a strict uh, set of guidelines we followed. We were able to open and uh, keep everyone safe out there and because uh, it's always our number one priority. We want to keep our guests and our patrons safe while providing uh, good, scary fun. So, uh, yeah, everything went very well. And so you had a, what you would say, a good season, which is apparently what a lot of people who were open last year had. We did. We had a really good season. Our numbers were up, and um, we're curious to see how things go this season, if we can keep keep that routine up. So tell us a little bit about Screamville. Is it a specific themed haunt? Is it a multi theme thing? What's going on? Is it outdoors, indoors, trails, or...? buildings, hay rides, all that good stuff. If I was coming through Knoxville, maybe going leaf watching in October, what uh, what could I expect if I bought a ticket to Screenville? Uh, Screenville, we are a, we are a corn maze, or actually we're a corn trail. It's not a maze. We cut our trail so uh, you know we can keep you on a keep you on a path. Uh, so it is outdoor, but we do have a lot of indoor scenes. You know, you'll you'll pass through a church and a schoolhouse and a slaughterhouse and a gas station. Many themed scenes there. We actually do have a theme for our haunt. It's called. Sc- Cursed Acres. Uh, it's a story about a couple that um, that bought the land and uh, you know, tried to plant crops. Nothing would grow except for the corn itself, and uh, the corn would speak to the couple. It finally ended up driving the wife mad. She slaughtered her family, and uh, they disappeared and never seen since. And uh, you know, we're, we finally uh, was able to acquire the property and open it up for uh, for the public to come tour it. We also have a midway area. We expanded that midway area this year. It's called the Midway of Malice. Uh, it's a bunch of it spins on a bunch of typical, you know, a bunch of carnival games that we put our own 
own twist to them. We've got a like your traditional dunking booth, except ours is a meat grinder, and you're able to throw the ball and uh, knock the uh, knock the actor into the meat grinder, and it nice. grinds them up and shoots <laughs> shoots smoke and and, and sparks. Uh, we've got a guillotine. Um, Hammer, you know, hit it, ring the bell, it knocks the blade down and uh, cuts the cuts the head off. So, uh, yeah, some fun things to do while you're there. Besides the haunt, you can stick around for a while. We have concessions and a bonfire, so uh, try to make it a a Halloween destination. You, you had me at corn talking to the wife. You know, talking corn is such a vastly underutilized theme in haunted attractions, apparently. Yeah, we believe. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we believe so. And it, it, in the theme, you know, it kind of it, it, it doesn't. It leaves it open for us to do a lot of things inside the attraction, and um, you know, it, it's worked well for us. What's going to be brand new in 2021? Uh, brand new, we are we are expanding our midway. Last year, our midway area was, you know, pretty much when you when you bought a ticket, you were in the midway. Uh, what we've done is we've actually made the midway sort of its separate entity. So you'll you'll enter a. Um, you know, you'll enter an archway that says Midway of Malice, and then you'll, you know, it'll be like a carnival. You're going to have games on both sides of you as you walk down this Midway. So it's, it's growing. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun there. Um, can you buy tickets in advance, or is everything just walk-up? Yeah, at the moment, everything is going to be walk-up. We're doing no uh, no advanced tickets this year. So, yeah, we're, we'll be doing walk-up. Um, we'll still be doing a lot of uh, COVID precautions, so... Uh, be prepared to ha- wear a mask. Uh, we'll be doing social distancing, hand sanitizers, and uh, sending you in through with the group that you come in. Fantastic. For people wanting more information about Screamville Cursed Acres in Knoxville, Tennessee, as I said, if you're just passing through town or if you live here or you travel to the area to go visit a few haunts, how can people get more information with websites, social medias, et cetera? Yeah, the, the best way uh, is to follow us on Facebook. Give us a like on Facebook. Uh, you know, we're updating uh, the page and posting on the page year-round, uh, not just in the fall. So we're doing uh, constant uh, ticket giveaways all the time. Be sure to like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram. Fantastic. Doug Cox, look forward to uh, hearing good things about Screenville this year. And uh, I know corn has ears, but uh, this is the first time I've heard them have mouths. So, you know, my daughter just wrote that joke for me to tell you there. So that, that failed miserably. But that's okay. Screenville sounds like it's going to be a blast. Go to Screenville Screenville on the social medias and everything. Follow all that stuff, Doug. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us here at the Big Scary Show. Thank you, Drew. Always a good time. Always a good time here at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. My name is Drew Badger for the Big Scary Show, and we're out. Shadow Symphony. Beneath the Dark. A Big Scary Show exclusive.
Come, my little neophytes, and sit by the fire. It's time to ask the old crone. (laughs) Let's talk about advertising today. As haunt owners, we already have so many expenses that sometimes it's hard to carve out money in our budget for advertising. But the truth is, You can have the most amazing haunt, but if no one knows about it, no one will come. This isn't Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Nope. You have to get the word out there that you exist, and you have to get people to want to come. So the question today is, is radio dead? With music streaming, I wondered, so... I asked the voice from hell, Dick Terhune, his opinion. His answer was a resounding no. So I asked if radio was still a wise way to spend your advertising dollar, in which he replied, in small to medium markets, yes, it is. It gets tougher in large major markets because of costs. Streaming music services like Pandora and Spotify are good options. So then I turned to Purple Gator and I asked them the same question. Is radio dead? Steve said, I would say radio is definitely not dead. It is just a matter of making extra sure there is a tangible way to measure the effectiveness and utilize something easy for the audience to remember. An example may be if letting them buy tickets online, use a coupon code only for the radio ads, like 10 off, and they get 10% off their ticket, perhaps. That way you can track the impact of it, and the listeners can remember that and take advantage when they have the time to do so. 
And then, of course, there are free ways to advertise your haunt through social media. But it can't be your only way. There are so many platforms out there. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> Even this old crone has to keep up with what the kids are doing nowadays. You can't just pick one. You need to be on all of them. If this is a bit overwhelming to you, find someone knowledgeable in your staff that can help you. Make sure you set some guidelines. You want to draw people in. Give them a tease of what to expect. And make sure you have calls to action and links to other social media and especially your website. The algorithms on social media changes all the time. So it's important that you post often and get your audience to engage with you. Likes, shares, and follows help to drive your content to more people. There are great resources out there to learn more about how to use social media through websites and online seminars. I myself seem to have the most success with Google in my area in regards to how people find me. But I make sure I have a good social media presence to engage them and get them hooked. Banshee Manor is starting on TikTok, so I'm learning that too. And to be honest, I'm having quite fun. Oh, and don't forget the good old guerrilla marketing method. Put out cards, flyers, cross-promote with other businesses and other haunts. Attend events that might have the same demographic as your haunt. Oh, and then let's not forget newspaper and TV. Those are still great for publicity, but ads can be costly. So select wisely and make sure it's going to reach your demographic to get the most bang for your buck. Oh, I hope this has helped you decide and think about some options for advertising for your haunt. I would love to hear some of your marketing ideas. And if you have ideas or questions for this old crone, email me at scream at Banshee Manor. And don't forget, children, always stir the cauldron. <laughs> and here we go. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We are in Knoxville, Tennessee at CreepyCon, having a grand old time. And, you know, one of the things I love about cons like this you get a lot of haunted houses out here. I expect to see a bunch of them from eastern and central Tennessee, but I got one from southwestern Virginia. Up in Roanoke, Virginia, not too terribly far. I assume you hopped down I-81 and got down here. I got Scott Gibson from Terror Manor going into their third season, fourth season? Going into a third season. Third season. Yep. How you doing, man? How's the show been for oh, you? It's, oh, it's been fantastic. I love shows like this because we get to interact with... Plus, being in Tennessee and other state, and we just love just to interact with other haunts and this kind of you know atmosphere here and environment and stuff. Because people want to be here. It's for the it's for the horror theme and genre, and it's just a lot of fun to be here and, and check out all the cool cosplay and stuff. I love it. And, and uh, let let's remind all the haunt owners out there: your prime demographic are the people who come to these shows. They want to see spooky and scary stuff. You, you know, if you've got a convention coming to your area, Comic-Con, a Horror-Con, or whatever, grab a booth. Yeah. It's absolutely worth it. You get the returns many times over, correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if he don't make our money here, it's just cool to 
to be in, in you know in Tennessee in general. But absolutely, what you said when you when you go to cons and conventions and, and of, of anything of this this realm, uh, definitely do it because you get to meet so many cool people, get so many cool ideas, bounce off each other, and and uh, it, and just a camaraderie. I mean, you know, just the other haunts supporting one another and stuff. That's that's. I mean, it's just cool. It's just a fun atmosphere. So going into your third season at Terra Manor, it used to be called the Meeks Manor. Now it's called Terra Manor. What kind of, um, shall we say, is there a theme or is this just a general haunted house? What is the story behind Terra Manor? The story behind Th- Terra Manor is that we don't really have a theme. The, the, big, the theme, if you want to do it, is that you're pretty much being sentenced to hell. There's a judge at the beginning. He gives you a verdict. And then you go to 40-plus rooms and spaces that are totally different from one another, and it's, it's giving you a sense of going to hell. Oh, lovely. You know, I, I had a feeling the judge wasn't going to say not guilty and send you on your way, but uh, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. Is this what you had last year? And, and I guess I should ask, were you open during the pandemic last year, and how did you do? Yes, yes, we were open last year for the pandemic. Uh, thank goodness that our, our state did fall under the phase three, which enabled us to were to open up for last year. Uh, we had to meet the guidelines, and which we did with CDC and of course the state guidelines. Uh, did very well. I mean, obviously people wanted something to do, and it definitely showed. And we were fortunate enough to accommodate, and and uh, had a good successful season. And uh, uh, and yeah, going forward, you know, just. And of course, we're still rolling with the punches in these pandemics, and uh, you know we—that was a good taste of, of the operation side of what we had to dealt with, and then we overcame them. And uh, and of course, we did have a lot of conference calls with a lot of area hunts around us to uh, talk about their their operations setups and stuff, and share ideas and and how we were going to pull this off and support one another. And it worked out great for everybody. So all the haunts in your area tend to work together as opposed to feuding with each other. Yes, we do. We're we're in a trifecta, which we have uh, St. Albans in Radford, and we have Helheim and Withville and us in Roanoke. And what we do is we give a card out to any customer. So if you uh, will punch the card, so you take that and you get a two dollar off your ticket at other haunts, uh, those two. And so when you go to them, if you make it to all three, you get a free T-shirt. Ooh, and nice. uh, so, but we we cross promote one another, and we support Hex, we support Red Vane, and we support you know all the state. Uh, haunts and stuff and I mean even a lot of our North Carolina brothers and sisters and stuff and and we've met some cool guys in Tennessee here so we're we just love to support and give a shout out to any of the haunts out there because we know how it is and we know what they got to go through to to, to make you know what they want to do to get it up to that objective and and how hard it is to get to that point so we certainly support each and every one of them. Absolutely. For people wanting to m- more information, maybe you're going to be driving up through October and uh, doing some leaf watching. You're driving through the Roanoke area, beautiful country. Maybe you're heading up and down the Blue Ridge Parkway, make a short hop off of Roanoke, want to go see a haunted house. How can people get more information about Terror Manor with websites, social medias, etc.? We're on all social media outlets. Uh, Facebook is our number one, of course, and uh, you can definitely check us out there, but we're on all of them, all the social media out. But our t- Website is terramanor at outlook.com, or you just go to terramanor.com, I should say, not Outlook. I'm sorry. That's your email. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but terramanor.com. But, uh, but yeah, you can check us out on any social media. Just type in terramanor, we'll pop up. Excellent. What, uh, what are your operating dates this year? We are operating starting in, I believe, well, let me look here. Let me see, September 24th, which is the, the uh, last one of the last week in September. 
We operate uh, that Friday and Saturday. Then we'll go Friday and Saturday uh, following after that. We'll go every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in October. And then we'll do a lights out on the first weekend of November. Excellent. A lot of people are doing that this year. Or this Lately, it's been a, a really great way to end the season. So once again, folks, go to terrormanor.com. Check them out on all the socials. And again, if you're in the southwestern Virginia area, you know, everyone goes and rides the Blue Ridge Parkway, checking out the leaves. Find yourself in Roanoke, some very fine dining in that area. I can attest to that. And you want to check out a cool haunted house, visit terrormanor.com. Scott Gibson, a pleasure to have you here on the Big Scary Show. Absolutely. Always honored to be on here and talking to you guys and stuff. And, uh, yeah, thank you for your support and be glad to help you out. And, and Send us news. Us. Send us news so we can uh, get that out on the air. But once again, folks, terrormanor.com. My name is Drew Badger here at CreepyCon, and we're out. Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts, join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state from home to pro to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We are live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. And if you remember a couple of years ago, we talked to author Blake Best, who did a book on The Nightmare on Elm Street. I believe it was the third movie. It might not, I believe so. It was called Behind the Screams, The Dream Master Revealed. He's got a brand new workout, and he is here talking about it. His new work is called Fathom. It's actually a work of fiction, but we're going to find out all about it. Blake, how you doing, man? All right. How are you? Good. The uh, show is going well for you, I understand. It is very well, but I wanted to make sure I took some time to come speak with you because you <laughs> are always so much fun, and I'm glad to be able to talk to you. So. Oh, well, we try. And by the way, your wife's costume yesterday was off the charts. I, I could not, I didn't recognize her at first, and, and I don't know how she did in the costume contest, but... Damn, she should have won if she didn't. Uh, she didn't enter the contest. <laughs> oh, she she judged. She oh, judged okay. on it this year. But, uh, yeah, you ought to see her today. She's Tiffany from Bride of Chucky. Oh, we will We will have to check that out. But, man, <laughs> she was a mushroom yesterday, and, and I believe she was Ripley from Aliens Cup the other day and yep, and all was. this. But let's let's go back and talk a little bit about Behind the Screams, The Dream Master Revealed. This is a book on one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I assume you are still selling that, and I assume it's still going very well. It is. It's still going very well. I believe I have about 50 copies of it left out of all the, the thousands that we ordered. So, I mean, <laughs> that's still a, still a resounding success. But, yeah, it was on Nightmare 4, you know, which Nightmare we just 4, had. Nightmare 4, not 3. My apologies. Well, that's, that's okay. Sometimes they run together. I mean, There's that's just the, so many of the, them. And they, <laughs> they start production on the next one before the one they're working on is finished. That's right. historically how it goes. <laughs> and, you, and you have brought a glove with you again like you had the, a couple of years ago. I did, yes. This is actually a, a replica of the Part 4. I'm still endorsing Flaming Creations, Josh Clark's company. So I still bring those those gloves with me everywhere, and that's my favorite. It's a heavy one, though. Seven pounds of pure mayhem right Jesus there. H, that, that is heavy, and it still has England's signature on it, it looks like. Or, oh, no, no, no. He didn't sign this one. No. Oh, okay. I, that you one has one been locked has, away. I it's see. at the table. I had someone a year before last want to pick it up, and they tried to rub off some of the. Uh, yeah, so I was like, no that. on that. No, no my, my daughter actually was lucky enough to put that on the last time we were we were sharing a booth almost a couple of years ago. And yeah. Got a good picture of her for that. But uh, 
Anyway, let's talk about Fathom. Um, you know, the first book was more of a non-fiction work. This is a purely fiction work. How did uh, how did this come about? What made you decide to go into this? Uh, I always loved cryptozoology growing up. Something about the study of animals that shouldn't exist or are supposed to be from a long time past, and they still exist somehow. You know, that's based in reality. The coelacanth was discovered in 1938 swimming in the Indian Ocean, and it was supposed to have been extinct for 70 million years. So if that can happen... It is very much, you know, possible for a plesiosaur or some other kind of prehistoric creature to still be alive after having adapted, you know, in a closed-off environment like Loch Ness, which is quite large, actually. It's not a small lake at all. So this is an actual book based on the Loch Ness Monster. It is very much so. Um, what makes the book a little different is the Loch Ness Monster in this book is a little bit less than friendly, you know. Ooh. But it's not altogether the monster's fault. So when you read that, you'll you'll find out. So it's one of those situations where someone does the monster wrong and all of a sudden the monster has to go out and get revenge on people? Is that kind of what we're thinking here? <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, things go wrong. Um, it starts with a gentleman named Jack Warner who is a world-famed cryptozoologist, and he's recruited by... Uh, an expedition going to Loch Ness. We've heard that before where people want to go investigate the lake. But this guy's a multimillionaire. He's got a hit show and he's got some money and some clout behind him so he thinks that everything's going to go his way and it turns out decidedly that it doesn't matter what amount of money you have you can't fight Mother Nature. (laughs) You know? Well it sounds like it's going to be a fascinating read. I am going to pick up a copy of this book before we leave today. It's not a very long book. It's you know about 200 pages. It looks like it's going to be a a reasonably quick and yet entertaining read. Perfect for the fall. Oh, absolutely. There's lots of blood and guts, some gratuitous <laughs> gore, but there's also some very surreal um, dreamlike imagery within it, too. And then um, what makes the book so special is I started working on it as a child, and during the course of finishing the book, my best friend, who was always a big Loch Ness supporter, he was murdered. Oh, wow. So I dedicated the book to his memory. That's kind of sad. My condolences there. I appreciate it. It was rough. I took some time off, actually, when he was killed in November and didn't do anything. I even stopped working on the book, stopped playing guitar, I stopped doing everything. So So what have you got coming down the pike? Are you working on another book or two? Is it going to be another work of fiction, or is it going to be another thing based on another nightmare movie or some other kind of thing? Well, I'm thinking I've got another... Another book that's a that's a fiction book that I've started that I want to really put out again, you know, dealing with um, lycanthropy and werewolves. You know, I've always been into the monster side of things, I guess, because I acknowledge that there's a little bit of that in all of us, whether we like to admit it or not. You oh, know, yeah. a little bit of a monster in all of us. And I think if you channel it the right way, it could be healthy, you know? Of course. Um, as Storm, one of our Koga hosts, is really big into chupacabras, any uh, possibility you might write something on that? I thought about it. I mean, that's a very interesting um, legend, and it's been passed down for hundreds of years. And, and, and I mean, it's it's as, as ubiquitous with um, uh, you know uh, Mexican culture as like you know Sasquatch is with some of the Native American tribes, and and, and it, it's rooted so much in history that it's like where does the line between legend and and fact, where's that defining line? Sure. Because it's it's hard to find that out anymore. There are people that will adamantly talk about that they've seen things like that, just like there are people that are adamant that they've seen the Loch Ness Monster. And I believe it. I believe they've seen something. Of course. Everybody has seen something. And if you can't identify it, then, you know, there's always going to be that little bit of what if in the back of your head. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something I like to, I like to exploit and to talk about is the what if. 
I think we need to embrace the what if because everything, you know, everybody wants everything to be sanitized and completely uh, fall in one particular line. And when you blur the lines and have a little fun and play around with that, some interesting results. Certainly been successful for me, and I encourage anyone else that's creative, get out there, push the envelope, you know, see what happens. (laughs) Absolutely. For people interested in this book, which is called Fathom, by Blake Best, a work of fiction regarding the Loch Ness Monster. Is it available on Amazon or online? Or It's available you... online at my website, uh, which is all those links are in the book. But it's blakebestauthor.wixsite.com forward slash blakebesthorror. And you could just direct yourself to the books there. And then I'm also uh, taking it around to all the conventions. I just put it out in February, so... The new hasn't quite worn off of it yet. Nice. Where will you be making some appearances over the next few months? Well, I've got a couple, believe it or not, a couple of digital things coming up, you know, because uh, they're still limiting travel due to the coronavirus and the pandemic. So I'm going to be doing some uh, some things in Florida. I'm going to be doing some things in uh, Alabama. And I'm hoping that I can get to New England, you know, and maybe even out to North Carolina because I've got family out there. So, nice. so once again, Blake Best is the author of Fathom. His latest work of fiction regarding the Loch Ness Monster, and, and hopefully we'll see a book on the Chupacabra coming out at some point in the future. <laughs> it would be nice. That's not something a lot of a lot of authors tackle, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that would be a very good idea. You, you could be the forefront of an entire movement. I'm a groundbreaker. <laughs> I love it. There you go. Once again, folks, Blake Best, go check him his work out. Pick up a copy of that book. It's a... Uh, Looks like it's going to be a really good read. I am getting my copy right now, and we will uh, enjoy that, I'm sure, over the course of a weekend this fall. But once again, at this time, we are at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we're out. Sinister Symphonies UK. The Dollhouse on The Big Scary Show.
everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live at CreepyCon in Knoxville, Tennessee. We have had a grand old time here. My daughter and I, we come to this show every year that we can. They didn't come last year because, well, they didn't have it. But they're back this year, and it has been a fun show. All in all, a lot of people around, a lot of people, you know, enjoying the things, buying, selling. We're the aerialists, the contests, the bands, all the funness that is CreepyCon. We kind of wanted to hear it from the owner's perspective. So we have Jennifer Johnsy here of CreepyCon. Jennifer, once again, thank you for allowing us to come down here and cover everything. It has been a fun show, and welcome back. <laughs> thank you so much, and thank you for supporting CreepyCon all these years. It's people like you that come and oh, talk about sure. us. It really, really helps, so thank you. <laughs> well, we're, we're, you know, the first year you were on just a Friday, which was a little unusual. It caught our attention. Then Saturday, <laughs> in the next year, two, you did two days third year you did three days and now this is your fourth year i'm like well, why aren't you doing four days i don't think i could survive <laughs> if we did another day you know it <laughs> well that, that may be true but tell us again how has CreepyCon 2021 been going i mean i've seen a lot of people here i've seen a lot of people buying stuff i've seen a lot of acts and you know entertainment got to judge the scream queen contest thank you for asking that was a lot of fun but overall how's the show been after taking a year off you know it's been very interesting and in there's been a lot of different things okay so first and foremost i'll say our people people that like conventions and things like this and this genre of halloween and horror we're creative people we don't do well completely isolated all of the time just watching Netflix. Now, Netflix Some of is us awesome. Do. Yeah. <laughs> As you get older, that changes, right? Oh, yes. But we need to, we feed off of the energy of others and being able to see and experience colorful and unique things. So I think that we were all really hungry for this and something that we deem as normal. All right. Because COVID was not normal. None of it was normal. There was nothing okay with that. And now we really needed, I think, to get out and just be who we are and let the freak flag fly, whatever, you Absolutely. know, we just needed to get out and have fun. And now, you know, with this current timing, with the um, Delta variant and things getting all amped up again, I think there was also this, like, desire to, oh, my God, go out and have fun while you can, <laughs> you know. So there was that because we were getting ready to get shut down again. And then, um, then also just this overall just excitement. So I think it's all driven to just a really good uh, good weekend. Yeah. I think the fact that, you know, two years ago you were up against Fanboy Expo, yeah. which just conveniently happened to be the same weekend, oh, but you didn't Bubba have... Fest. Oh. Bubba Fest. Sorry. Bubba Fest, sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong Expo. But, you know, you were, um, you were the only show in town, so to speak, this year, and it looks like the people have responded. They really have, and you know we're in our fourth, technically our fourth year. 4. So four point five. Yeah, it's a. Uh, we've had a chance to get our name out. People who come have a good time. They come back. They tell others. Our vendors are amazing. They go off. They tell others. So it's doing all of the things that it should, and it's building to a bigger, better show. One thing we can say, we're up against actually a tattoo fest, oh, and okay. they're always the same weekend as we are. But they're still, although there are some. Things that are cross, you know, cross genre or whatever. For the most part, 
people come to both, you know, so I've noticed that. We have a lot of people that come from the tattoo convention over to here, and we have a lot of our folks that leave here and go to the tattoo convention. So it's like it makes for a really great weekend here in Knoxville. It makes it completely worth your time with so much to do. And the traffic hasn't been terrible, so there's always that. That's good. I feel like all I have done is come here and go home and go to bed and come here and go home and go to bed. So that's good to know. It's been reasonable and a little surprising given the fact that, you know, back to school for the university and all that, you'd think there'd be a lot more stuff going on. But I digress on that. (laughs) But, again, um, you know, a lot of people have come up to us and said, hey, this is my first year here. I had somebody who said they just moved here from Florida and they were overwhelmed at all this. This was fantastic. They loved it and all this stuff. Um, I love this building. It's fantastic. It it really creates a unique atmosphere and can be a bit overwhelming for things. But from what we've had conversations off the air, things might be changing for CreepyCon 2022. (laughs) Well, I think the timing of the event itself would not change. Um, There are reasons we do it in August, and that's one of the biggest questions we get. It's not Halloween. Um, Excuse me. It's It's Halloween all year round, right? What are you talking about? So, you know, so for us, it's the timing of it is perfect because most of us are in the haunted attraction industry and September is go time getting ready for October. So, and a lot of our vendors are the same way. So we know that falling at the end of August helps our people uh, advertise what we're getting ready to do and also have time to do what we need to do but still have fun at a convention. So it's very strategic in its timing. We have to explain that to a lot of people. So, uh, and once we do, they're like, oh, I get it. Now, the location is a thing. We love Knoxville. We're from Knoxville. We live here. We wanted a Halloween and horror convention here in Knoxville, and that's why we had it here. But we are up against the the problem that we are too big for the venue that we're in, and in order to grow, we may have to move. So we right now are looking at potential venues for next year, but we have not made a decision yet. Okay, and I'm sure when you do, you will let us know and we can report that. Of course we will, yes. Excellent. So, Jennifer, again, I want to say congratulations. It looks like, again, a very successful post-COVID somewhat convention here. A lot of people have enjoyed it. I haven't heard a single person complain about wearing a mask yet. And um, other than the fact that you are outgrowing this building a little too fast, what a horrible problem to have. Right. <laughs> you know, it looks like CreepyCon's going to be in, in the area for many, many years to come. Yeah, we definitely will. And I think we're, we're talking about adding a second show in 2022. So that's probably even bigger news. But we have, I don't Breaking, have, maybe. I'll just give you a little teaser there that that's the idea, but we'll see. We've so got to like find a, a home type show maybe perhaps perhaps so we've really got a lot of work to do on our end to try to make sure that that happens the main thing is is finding a home for this one first and then we'll work on the next so a second show might actually return to a place like this perhaps okay because this is a this is a really cool building and i do like it it's convenient to get in and out and all that stuff. yeah it's charming for sure charming is a cool it's an old bomb shelter let's just say that how cool is that right (laughs) yeah yeah but anyway again i want to wish you congratulations here it looks like you've got staffers here that need you at their beck and call or whatever so once again congratulations (laughs) once again folks creepy con 2022 is going to happen hopefully Yes, yes All things considered. <laughs> and you can follow all the updates at creepyconnoxville.com. Jennifer Johnsy, always a pleasure to have you here. And again, thank you for allowing the Big Scary Show to come here and, thank uh, you, Drew. and help promote all this. Thank you. All right, once again, <laughs> folks, Drew Badger here, winding down CreepyCon in Knoxville, and we're out. 
Ready to dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Karen. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Karen. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Von Karen.com. V-O-N. C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screenwine Studios. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Creepy Collection. And Von Caron Productions. We would also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse as well as the Forga hosts, including Storm, Ranson Moore, HauntMinute.com, Badger, Actor, Trainer, and Consultant, RabbitBadger.org, Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com, and Jerry Vane, the Haunstrumentalist, JerryVane.com. And finally, you. Without you, the listener, we are nothing. The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.